Welcome to What Bubbles Up, a conversation over beers about ideas, where they come from, the process people use to get there, and how to know when they're truly great. Now here are your hosts, Phil and Barry. What's poppin' everybody and welcome to episode lucky 13 of What Bubbles Up. A show about ideas. Where do they come from and how do you know they're great? We've got a very, very interesting show and a very interesting guest today. We're going to be talking about purpose, purpose-driven leadership, purpose-driven marketing, purpose-driven messaging. Uh, and talking about purpose, the purpose of this show is to share ideas over a beer. So with that, Barry, what are you drinking? All right. Kicking things off, I, uh, I went into the fridge and, and pulled out a favorite of mine from good old Rutland, Vermont, here up in my neck of the woods. This is a Rutland mm-hmm. Red American Amber Ale. That'll be good. I'll pour that. Phil, what are you drinking? All right. I thought long and hard about this one, and ultimately it just came down to what do I like to drink. But I like to think that the backstory is you're talking about purpose, um, the events of the last couple of weeks and everything political, mm-hmm. um, we need a little bit of unity, I think, across our various regions. Here, here. The North and the South coming together, plus two out of the three participants in this conversation hail from uh, the Boston area. So I thought, what better way to mash up our regional cultures than with a New England-style double IPA brewed in Richmond, Virginia, Hey, by <laughs> the uh, Hardywood uh, Beer Company. This is called Dreamlike. It is yet again an eight percent double IPA. We're going to pop it open and see what happens. Wow. All right, awesome. I love it, Phil. You always bring it together. All right, while that Trying. is happening, why don't I go ahead and introduce our guest, who I know also has a beer choice to put us both to shame here, Phil. Oh, yeah. so, okay, ready? Very for it. excited. We've been uh, talking to Jen for quite a while, so let me introduce our audience to. Jennifer Putnam, who, of course, is the chief creative officer at Allen and & Gerritsen, and actually really exciting, was just a juror for the 2020 Communication Arts Advertising Annual. So, Jen, welcome to What Bubbles Up. Uh, Thank you. And uh, what are you drinking? All right. Uh, well, in celebration of the moment we are in, as you mentioned, uh, Phil, I chose a killer brown ale. Uh, called uh, Bluffhead, and this comes mm-hmm. from Strong Brewery in Sedgwick, uh, Maine. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 6.5% ABV, a little bit rich for me, um, <laughs> but but um, I have had it. It's delicious. It's rich. It's malty. It's one of um, a long line of beers that, the, that this small brewery um, uh, has, has put together. Um, I chose this, I do want to say, because it's owned and operated by Mia Strong, and her husband, Al, and the story Mm. is that they moved to Maine from New Jersey to pursue a love for craft brewing. Who doesn't Mm. have that dream? Um, And their motto is something like, beer geeks to the core, we brew what we like, and we like everything. I don't know. But crowdsourcing, you know, hard work, Kickstarter campaign got them to this moment. And um, and me, it was amazing when I, when I, I, I messaged her through Facebook and asked her to hook my, my husband up with some beers. She did. And, and here we are. So wow. I actually want to toast to Mia. Here, oh, here. To Mia. Here, here. Cheers. That's right. To Mia and to, frankly, to, to people finding the, I would argue, Jen, that, that they found their purpose, right? And they followed their purpose. Which 100%. Is, there you nice. go. There you go. 100%. So, so Jen is, of course, a, an incredibly creative person. Uh, we've all had the chance to work together in the past. Um, and I thought she would be awesome for this show, Phil, because um, 
she is obviously one of the one of the most interesting creative thinkers that I've had the chance to work with. But she's also a huge proponent of something that I also believe in, which is this whole notion of the best ideas are the ones that connect to a brand's purpose or sort of a mission's purpose. That that if you can kind of express something that really sort of gives uh, truth to the reason why uh, a, a company exists, mm-hmm. what it really cares about, that those are the very, very best ideas. The reason so, to believe. The yes. reason to believe. That's right. And so I, I actually think that Jen sort of came naturally out of this. So Jen, tell us about your origin story. I mean, you literally were born out of a sort of a, a purpose-driven idea, I would argue. <laughs> I would say that is true. Um, so yeah, um, so I was an unlikely candidate to end up in this business. And I think you know the story a little bit, Barry, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. Um, most of my family being dedicated to nonprofits their whole lives. My parents um, met and married in the Peace Corps. I was actually born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Mm. I know I don't look that way. Um, <laughs> nope. And we, li- we lived yeah. in Northern Africa in Tunisia, where my dad was with the global NGO care um, and the memories yeah. I have of those times I cherish because yeah. um, honestly being pre-verbal in these loving and inviting black communities, I grew up seeing um, the disparities and the imbalances in the world. I was raised to understand that, um, you know, where rights were being challenged um, or equal opportunity was being denied. And, and frankly, to just, honestly just challenge social norms because my mom was a fabulous feminist so mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. sort of innate um activist has always been a part of who i am mm-hmm. and it comes out in in the work i do um although i think it, we can all do war right now especially especially now right however yeah. i do want to add this i also came and this is where the interesting balance comes from a long line of artists writers and poets um and and the most famous and earliest embodiment of these two characteristics go back to my great great, great grandmother. And I think, you know, this as well, Julia Ward Howe. Mm-hmm. She was an abolitionist, abolitionist, excuse me, a suffragist. She was a feminist and a poet among other things. She authored the words to the battle hymn of the Republic. Um, mm-hmm. and wow. if that doesn't come to mind immediately, it's my eyes have seen the glory. Um, <laughs> it was president Lincoln's favorite hymn, and the words Martin Luther King spoke in his very last speech, um, in yeah. 1968. So, so to this day, I get chills when I hear those words um, sung or spoken. Um, and, and while I don't have an accomplishment like that to share today, um, I guess the point is I inherited that passion and I inherited that empathy, which is, which is honestly what fuels my desire to use creativity, you know, as a, as a force for good, if you will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, let's, so let's just define for our audience here, I think, to kick things off like you and obviously we've all worked together, but obviously much, much sort of, uh, you know, as you're already sort of like established in your career. And so we work in the communications business, the experience business, the marketing business, um, define for us what sort of purpose, uh, purpose-driven branding or purpose-driven marketing really means to you, Jen. Um, hmm. uh, well, first of all, as far as this topic goes, um, in terms of being purpose-driven, for me, in my role, it's twofold. First, it's it's in making sure I continue to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go back and talk about my early days in the business, which were very challenging for as a mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so to pay it forward to other women and minorities through, through my privilege, um, and I do recognize it's a privilege and experiences. And second, it's in wanting to just help brands identify what their audiences can truly connect to and, and what they can trust. Um, human experiences and insights um, 
that that resonate with people and demonstrate empathy on, be, on behalf of a brand are very exciting to me. And, and the notion of purpose, this is also really interesting because it, it, I've been, I mean, it goes way back. You know, I've always believed in and wanted to make this a part of my work from day one. Um, mm -hmm. Though that's not, what would, it wasn't called purpose back then. And I'm going to date myself because <laughs> I entered this business in the yeah. late 80s, early 90s. Um, that's not what it was called. You know, it's been interesting to watch it evolve. It's, it's, it used to be that, you know, public service advertising was its own thing. Yeah. Yep. Agencies working with nonprofits mm -hmm. to create awareness around, you know, important topics facing communities. And that still exists. Um, then there was the, the advent of cause marketing where yep. for-profit yep. and nonprofit partnerships formed and big brands could promote awareness about a cause or an organization while promoting their own product. And I have an example of that today as well. Um, and then, you know, there's CSR, corporate social responsibility, more philanthropic, but also put brands in a good light. But that was never seen as something to talk about outwardly. Yeah, yeah. It always appeared to be self-serving to them. So, you know, it would be buried way back on their websites. But you fast forward to today and we're finding it's expected, even essential, you know, for, mm, yeah. for consumers to know the brands they love are giving back. You, you, you just can't bury that anymore. It's got to be front and center, part of your DNA and how you and how you put it into action and helping, you know, shape a better world. And I, I really believe it's what's going to attract a new breed of talent. In other words, I would just say purpose is not, it's not a short-lived strategy um, for brands or our industry, as far as I'm concerned. It's a long-term vision and it's a way of being that works as a measure for everything a brand does going yeah, forward. Well, well, people want to buy from brands that they believe share their values. And so exactly. understanding what a value... Yes. What the values are of companies is 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 critical. It used to be this side business, and now really it's the core. It is, and and it's also, and and it's not just a message. It's a, it's a, it's a, it can be imbued into the experiences that they create as well. Um, we're seeing you know banks who are you know positioning themselves as, hey, if you if you do business with us, if you open an account with us, we'll donate to the charity of your choice. Um, and and better spending behaviors equate to us making wiser investments uh, in, you know, the organizations that have meaning and merit and value in, in accordance with our values. So mm -hmm. um, it's not just, you know, advertising anymore either. It's, it's, it's at the core of the services that, that they provide as well. And much of the time, it also requires challenging social issues, you know, rocking mm, the boat does. a little bit on topics that are deemed off limits. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that, you know, you think to like, uh, you know, Nike and Colin Kaepernick or Gillette, Gillette doing this, um, the mm -hmm. um, anti-Semitism and hate in that campaign, addressing yep. anti-Semitism and hate in their um, Best a Man Can Get campaign, which I just thought was absolutely um, yeah. awesome. I remember that um, well. And, you know, and then, you know, and then again, there are those that just do it so well and do it well every day. Patagonia, Subaru, CVS. I mean, these are some of the brands that I interact with every day that I, mm -hmm. I love and I think are living those examples. Tom's Shoes. Um, yeah. To, to Tom shoes, you know, yes, again and again. And, and I've certainly challenged a few social norms in my career, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. And um, yeah. Well, I do think <laughs> if, if, if you don't mind just talking about it very briefly, um, you know, one of the greater frustrations in, in uh, recent years is debating with people who, for some reason, believe that sexism doesn't even exist and it's not a thing or that we've solved it. Um, <laughs> Are are yeah. you are you willing and able to share some some brief instances of where you've had to actually fight against that and why it's the, uh, paying it forward to use your words is so important in the day to day work that you do? Um, yes, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 
so it's interesting. When I fell in love, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't believe I was going to go into advertising. I, uh, I, I did some illustrations as a kid for local representatives and, and people running for, for, for certain roles within our town because my parents were very involved in community. Um, yeah, I, fe- yeah. I fell in love. Ultimately. I had no idea you could, you could marry creativity to social good and make a living. So, and yeah. honestly, back then when I was a kid, I don't think you could, you know, I'm not sure anybody knew anything about that. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I fell in love with communications in college. I went to Wash U in St. Louis. And um, and it was there that I, I really started to believe that perhaps I could sort of marry these two passions of mine. Now, I was sort of aware of the reputation this business had of being hard on women. Yep, um, yep. My incredibly supportive college professor, Jean Hofel, who um, I believe is alive and well today, um, graciously advised me on things I'd, I'd have to navigate. Other, others said I would never break through. I'd never get into this industry. And if you know yep. me, the minute you yep. tell me it can't be done, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure <laughs> I get it done. Yeah. So um, after schlepping my book across Chicago and LA, I was hired right out of college to DDB uh, Needham to work on Anheuser-Busch. Yep. An mm-hmm. all-male team. Yep. And mm-hmm. while it was one of the greatest achievements in my life, it was also one of the most debilitating and I would say literally terrifying. It's where I came head to head with the understanding of what it felt like to not belong. Mm-hmm. I was in a man's industry, um, literally living Mad Men days, and people are always surprised that I've never watched that series. I've said this time and time again, but I just cannot watch something that glorifies those times because it was yeah. it yeah. was absolute hell for me. Yeah. But as much as I had, as much as I would would rather that, that never happened, it's probably it's probably what ultimately fueled my own convictions and my personal brand and purpose, which I think is so incre- incredibly important for, for, for us as creatives to have as well. Yeah. I, I had to ask myself, you know, who was I going to be? You know, was I going to be a fighter or was I going to be a quitter? What yeah. I, what I stand for as I navigate this industry. So I, so I turned to one of the few female group directors at the time, and I'm not going to get into what happened to me, but it was brutal um, yeah. I, and, and really beyond anything you guys could imagine. I, yeah. turned, I, I turned to one of these few female group directors, and um, her name was uh, Kristen McMahon, and uh, she referred me to Judith Wormy. And she welcomed me to the team, but she was very direct with me, and she said, I'm not giving you this opportunity because you're a woman. I'm going to give you this opportunity because I understand you're good. Yeah. And within two months of joining the group, three months of joining the group, I was on a plane to Paris to shoot my very first campaign. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I guess what I wanted to say is I cannot stress enough, especially all of this and how it relates today, I cannot stress enough what it means to feel safe in an environment and, and therefore be able to thrive. You know, yeah. we have to remind ourselves day in and day out as a culture and as an industry how important that is to get the very best out of anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I th- let's let's actually sort of sh- shift gears to, I think that, you know, the work that we all do is really kind of fueled by experiences that we've had in the past. And you've done some just really incredible stuff that is really moving, I would argue, and and really powerful for brands. I mean, let's, let's actually go through a couple of ideas here, Jen, that you came up with. And let's talk about why they're great ideas and why they were so powerful at the time. Um, maybe we dive right into the Being Girl platform that you did uh, while you were at Digitas. Tell us a little bit about that idea, why it was a great idea, where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, um, well, it's funny because I, I, I was going to address something I had done at LaborNet, but that's fine. Um, yeah. I, I, so the Being Girl platform, um, 
I have worked on P&G many times over the course of my career. I worked on it several times at, at Leo Burnett. Um, and then when I, I came to Digitas, lo and behold, here I was again um, leading the femcare category and specifically work for teen girls. Yep. Um, we all know that getting people to feel something, not just think, is essential to creating impactful work. So it's yep. it's 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 taking it's taking other perspectives and caring about needs that paves the way to creativity and to and to problem solving. And this is a great example of that. Empathy begins with attention. Creativity cre- creativity does as well. And and when you when you empathize with someone, you're you're reaching beyond yourself and you're stretching you into their world. So a really rewarding example of this was this this a really um, exciting partnership. Um, and I would call it a shared journey between our audience and the platform called Being Girl. Um, and it ultimately won the President's Award at Procter & Gamble. But oh, wow. um, it had a social platform with, I'd say, I think it was about a million members. And as I said, they needed, you know, they needed new ways to engage this audience um, pre and post pubescent girls. Um, they had a lot of questions, they had a lot of fears, um, and frankly, there was just a real desire for them to connect and to be heard, and we know that's true. We thought to ourselves, you know, what better way to do that than actually co-create with them? Mm-hmm. Um, let them guide us. Teen girls prioritize self-expression and putting yeah. their stamp on the world over anything else. They crave connection with each other and and the people they admire, and they just, honestly, at the end of the day, want to have fun. Yeah. So. So we we uh, developed this platform, and um, we first well we did everything with these girls. First, we developed the platform, and we tested some names with them, and we landed on what we what they decided they loved most, which was being girl tryouts. Yeah. Um, they voted on the name, they voted on the design, and they voted on the on the colors overall. Um, and then we set out to create an event that would help promote awareness. And this is back to the cause marketing thing I was talking about before of the Always Infinity brand. And we yeah. thought, what better way to do that than an overnight, um, you know, online experience with these girls, a big slumber party, if you will. Okay. So we had presented them with a whole series of ideas, but they chose America's Biggest Sleepover. And they built the entire experience with this. I'm not kidding you. They built... Um, they chose the recipes we would feature. They chose the games they wanted to play. So we crafted a truth or dare game. They chose the design of the room that um, you know that, that they logged on to for the actual experience. They chose a celebrity that was going to be involved with it, and that was um, Jordan Sparks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. Jordan's we were able to do ahead of time is create some content with Jordan so that we could run it the night of the event, and it felt like it was a real time, um, you know. Um, you know, occurrence for the girls. Yeah. Um, and on top of all of it, it supported a girl's cause to send feminine care products, um, always Mexi pads to girls in, in Africa. Um, oh, so wow. the entire thing, it's kind of hard to explain, but I will tell you, our clients, you know, they knew we needed to create a deeper emotional connection. They knew they had to keep fueling this platform forward. And we did it. And engagement went through the roof with over 160,000 girls taking part online. We were scrappy. We were nimble. This is one of my favorite things about these kinds of uh, of these kinds of projects. Um, you know, every single person was so so deeply passionate about one thing, and that was mm-hmm. meeting the expectations of these young girls. And yeah, it was yeah. work yeah. that worked to revitalize a platform as a result. So, yeah. you know, it just, as I said before, it, it has so much to do with empathy and listening and paying attention to exactly what the needs are of your audience. Yeah. I would also say that, uh, you know, even culturally, maybe, maybe that was a new thing for them doing more listening and less talking. Um, but it nets results. I mean, there's business value in being empathetic. Um, 
it, it, value takes on so many different connotations here. Yes, yeah, sure, there's there's business value, but these are values that we can live and gosh, make money off of. That's That sounds like a pretty powerful exchange. Yeah. 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 So from there, so so that's that's a that's a larger client, I would say. But then, you know, sometimes uh, we have the most life changing experiences in, in, the, in, the, in the smaller sandboxes, if you will. Um, so at a at a subsequent organization, uh, you worked with a uh, uh, an organization called Dream Big. Um, and so why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think empathy, listening, um, was a big part of that initiative as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's again, it's going back to, to, to what I was saying about, you know, connecting with the world around you and, and how that inspires new ideas. There's so much, there's so much talk about an aha moment, but I believe it comes from just paying attention, seeing a need and then acting on it. And this was mm -hmm. one of those instances um, so Dream Big is a local organization uh, founded by Linda Driscoll. Um, I'm going to ask you to put her website or a link to her website. On sure, happy to do that. Yeah, we could do that. Um, they help young women and girls in low-income situations, um, you know, achieve their dreams by enabling them to participate in sports. We all know how important that is to learn what it feels like to be part of a team, to challenge yourself physically. Right? They do this through. Um, equipment donations, they do it through leadership programs, training, grants, um, program scholarships, and, and they even invite people to, to sponsor a dream. So mm -hmm. a few, a select few women from Sapient, dear friends still of mine, um, all went to the Women's Forum uh, run by the Ad Club uh, yeah. one afternoon. Um, and we saw, and Linda was being honored with the Ad Club Admiration Award because in, in, in just five years, I believe it was, her dream had had, had a direct impact on over 14,000 girls. So we were so moved as a table. And, and I just have to say, honestly, we, and then we saw her be given a, $5,000 check and every one of us looked at each other and thought we're at the women's ad club forum. Yeah. There were so many powerful women in this room and we're like yeah. $5,000. Yeah, right, yeah. That's not enough. So um, we all were gathered outside in the hallway afterwards and um, Marie Rocket, Paige Piani, Amy Snelling, um, uh, um, uh, Lisa Walzak. Anyway, a mm -hmm. group of us were outside and uh, Linda happened to walk by and we grabbed her. And we first just told her, we are so inspired by uh, this work you've done. And then we said, how can we help, basically? And um, she said, well, you know, if you're serious, you know, I, there is something. But I, I got to tell you, nobody ever wants to do this because it's just kind of weird. <laughs> and it's expensive. Yeah. And I said, shoot, tell us what it is. And she said, I need sports bras. And we were like, done. You know, it's because she was like, I mean, we immediately knew what she was talking about. We've all played sports. They're expensive. They're hard to wear. They don't feel great. Yeah, um, yeah. But she was like, nobody wants to donate those, but it is the number one thing these girls need. So yeah. we uh, we went back to the agency and, and just ourselves, we created a campaign called Sport Your Support um, in as, mm -hmm. uh, as much integrated fashion as we could do without any real budget. But we did these killer posters. Marie Rocket did these killer posters of soccer or, or tennis or, or lacrosse balls filling bras. Yeah. Um, we did a Tumblr page. We did guerrilla tactics internally to make it easy for people to donate. So I don't know if you remember this, Barry, but I ordered a bunch of plastic busts from some warehouse 
I don't know, in, in Texas. I got yeah. literally 200 of them. I think I still have 100 downstairs. Yeah. We put them all over the office. We put the sports bras on them, and yeah. then we tagged each one. Um, so what we did is we pre-bought them. We wanted to make this easy for people to give. We just wanted people to see them, hear the story, and then basically write their name on the tag and give us the money. And it, it was awesome. I mean, I think she set us, I can't remember what the goal is, was that she sent us, it was set for us. It was three or three to 500 of these things. But, you know, it galvanized a culture. It allowed us to tell very real stories to our colleagues about how sports enabled us once upon a time. Those were the stories that we featured on Tumblr yeah. um, and, and share the privilege that we were given and yeah. shed, shed light on the way, on, 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 on why that has to be afforded to, to more people. Yeah. And I also don't mind saying, Barry, I'm sure you remember this, it was disruptive in an organization that was primarily male-led. Yeah. I remember yeah. having some people come down to talk to Jen about the fact that she wants to hang bras in the hallways and that's yeah. concerning. And I was like, you know what? Uh, you gotta be kidding me. If these were jock straps for Nike, you'd be all over it. Yeah. So, um, Fair point. and I'll Fair never point. forget it. My citizen's <laughs> client, I don't remember his name, but our citizen's client came to a meeting one day and he saw two of these in the conference room and he like leaned forward, read and he was like, hell yes, I could get behind this. Who is driving this program? It was yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, anyway. that's that's what I, I I actually think those two examples you just talked about, Jen, are really powerful around why these kind of purpose driven communication ideas are so powerful because they connect with something sort of at a deeper level with people who can kind of relate to it, like the sort of the power of sports and participating. And sometimes equipment equipment like that is is literally the barrier between getting a chance to play or not getting a chance to play. Um, and, and the kind of effect it can have sort of like internally with the internal audiences when you do stuff like that, but also externally, people start to see like, frankly, on the being girl thing, where they can participate too. You don't get that with a lot of advertising ideas that are just funny or, or that are just sort of beautiful. I don't see necessarily where my role is in that conversation. It just looks like something I kind of look at and admire these purpose-driven ideas I think are like invitations to participate. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, I think what makes them such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I talk a little bit about some of the work you're doing now for blue cross blue shield. I mean, talk about sort of back to sort of larger um, platforms and larger companies that are trying to sort of like obviously promote their brand, but also really kind of communicate what they care about and what they stand for. Talk about some of the work you're doing there at A&G. Yeah. Um, sure. I, so Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts is one of our larger clients, and it's, it's actually um, a dream client for us right now. And it's certainly for me in the relationship I, I um, hold dear with the CMO. Um, when I came to A&G, Blue Cross was a client already, and, uh, yeah. but, but Kathy was not there yet. And yeah. as often is the case, you know, when the old CMO left and the new one comes in as an agency, you think, uh oh, you know, um, yeah. what does this yeah. mean for us? Right. But, you know, Kathy came to the agency one day um, and in our first meeting together, she said, I just I want to figure out what we stand for. And, yep. you know, like. Ding, ding, ding. Th ding, ding, ding. We're going to be yeah. good friends. Um, it's my yeah. favorite question in the world. And, and, yeah. and honestly, it's the mark of a true leader. She wanted to be she wanted to be a purposeful brand and she wanted a long term vision for modernizing healthcare and putting the mm -hmm. consumer at the core. That is what she is driven by. So so she um, she actually initiated some research that revealed, you know, um, people had a had a handle on their health as so we were trying to figure out, you know, what the future was for Blue Cross. People have a handle on their health. Nav navigating, you know, smart choices through, you know, all of the options that are out there in terms of content and wearables and recipes and exercise regimens. I mean, people do feel like they've got control of this. 
what they what they what we heard in this research was what they resented, what they were frustrated by was the complexity of the system. Yeah. I know you guys yeah. can relate. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. and they talked about this imbalance of power they were feeling about the system itself and these companies being so big and, and we're all so small and we're we feel lost alone in the system. Yeah. So our charge was to honestly um, you know, tackle the complexity and ensure our members knew and felt um, what they needed most, which was honestly, it was an ally, an ally in the system to stand with them and for them, mm -hmm. you know, and for everything healthcare needs to be, which is really our galvanizing mantra. So, so the platform we've created and is running now, and I don't know if you've seen it, is um, it's, it's called B. Um, yeah. it, and it's all about uh, being that ally. It's standing again with our members, for our members. Um, it's a very modern and it's a fresh visual approach that communicates the promise of clarity and compassion, which was at the core of everything we were doing. Um, you know, and we turned the B of Blue Cross, I don't know if you've seen this, into a signature that graphically addresses our role um, as, a, yeah. as a compassionate ally. Yeah. Clarity is signaled through the open form, what we call, um, it's what we call our brand embrace. It supports the mm -hmm. hero within every one of our members. And, and we don't have a tagline, we couldn't possibly you know, at the time of creating this, encapsulate the dimension of the rally proposition in three to five words. So what we have is what I like to call, I like to call a through line. B is four, allows us to constantly plant the flag further in solving for future member needs and all the things we need to show up for. And, and the other thing you'll notice in the work that we are getting a lot of feedback on, which feels so good, is representation matters. We feature a really broad range of diversity that exists within our member base. Yep. We don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Um, a lot of people talk about that, and um, and you can feel when brands are just doing it for the sake of doing it yeah, to look just, PC. It, it, it can look yeah. fake. Yeah. yeah, it can. It can. But to be absolutely sure, every one of our members felt seen. That was our intention, and we're doing this with um, doing this with a, a select group of partner agencies, incredible talent out of Chicago, and and honestly, most importantly, with clients who get it, who want to make the world a better place and not just, you know, not just for a few, but, but, but for all. And, and I would argue it's a great idea because it's, it's, it's demonstrating an awareness and an appreciation for consumer need. It's, it's dead simple. It flexes to embrace every single member and yeah. every issue. Yeah. Um, and we're even tackling right now the very real and new for some people topic of mental health. Oh that, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's not that, that stigma is gone, but I will tell you, there are a lot of people dealing with with, with mental health issues today that I don't think they ever uh, oh, expected yes. to. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I, isolation and and separation will Absolutely. do that. Uh, and but but thankfully, we are beginning to talk about it. Uh, my my wife, in fact, is a mental health professional, and uh, oh. yeah, and and uh, it is the worst and best kept secret uh, ever yeah. that uh, people struggle struggle all the time. And sometimes the people that seem to have it the most together are the ones that are in the greatest need yeah. uh, because they've learned to cope and cover. Um, That's absolutely true. So, and, and I would also add, um, there's, there are many different sort of versions of Blue Cross Blue Shield. Every region has their own flavor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, they've always been, in my experience, the most readily, readily uh, able to ask the toughest questions. Um, and I feel like the best clients are the ones that are willing to ask why and not come to the table with an answer. Um, those seem to have the, the most fruitful conversations. And it's like, hey, let's be partners. That's that's a great place to start. Yeah. They also yeah. have a very accessible CEO, which is a very big deal. I mean, mm. at the beginning of this process, I sat down with him 
to ask him questions about what his expectations were, what he wanted to see. And and that's a I mean, that's that's a rare opportunity. Yeah. You know? I, I and um yeah. and he is a fierce advocate for the consumer, Andrew Dreyfus. He has yeah. been at the helm of change in Massachusetts for some time. So I um so so that was a pleasure and an honor for me. Yeah. And, and again, the, the the relationship continues, and we're really excited about the 2021 roadmap. Yeah. So I, I mean, I love it. it I, I mean, purpose-driven branding is a is an avenue to kind of connect with your audience. If you're selling products like Procter and Gamble, if you're just sort of selling a mission like Dream Big, and if you're really sort of a service brand like 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 Blue Cross. So so tell us a little bit about um, what it was like to sort of look at ideas sort of beyond purpose-driven branding. Like you were just recently a judge for the CA advertising annual, right? And you've got to look at, some people think it's the best idea because it's funny. Some people think it's the best idea because it's just incredibly beautiful. And then obviously, you know, you're particularly drawn to ideas that really connect with kind of mission and with with purpose. Like what was it like to be a judge? And, and how did you look at ideas and decide what are great ideas and what are merely good ideas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So first of all, this was a huge honor. And I have to tell you honestly, I have no idea how Patrick Coyne found me. He's the editor and he's the designer of CA. Um, but because it was really funny because he sent me an email. And he was like, I you're think more, was like, You're more known than you know, Jen yeah, Putnam. Like, back in February, so, you know, I get this really sort of like simple email from this Patrick Coyne. You know, would you like to be a judge for CA? And I'm like, uh, what is this? Is this fake? Is this spam? I'm just going to ignore this. Yeah. Um, but then he wrote me again and I was like, well, this is okay. And then he wrote me again and I was like, oh, okay. Well, okay. So you're serious. And I said, well, well, well my God, of course I would, I would love to be a judge. Yeah. Um, now it would have been a lot more fun to do this pre or post COVID uh, for the full West coast experience that I understand generally comes with this, but yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. There was um, no dinner and drinks in this, no, in this particular no. engagement. Yeah. No, no. Instead I judged thousands of entries from this very spot in the sweltering friggin' July heat for days, but <laughs> that's what I did. And I enjoy doing it. So, um, I don't know. I can tell you a couple things. First of all, um, it was very easy to identify what I didn't like. Yeah. Um, interesting. Especially yeah. as it relates to this topic, you know, there was a, um, there was a persistent exclusive versus, and it's just, again, versus inclusive approach to brand work and messaging. I don't say mm-hmm. this only because of recent global events and everything that's happening culturally around us. I say this because, you know, as you know, I've always felt very, it's been an issue for too long. It's astonishing yeah, yeah. to me how many agencies and brands are still not recognizing what you said earlier. How consumers feel about a brand is often a reflection of whether they can see themselves or their views in the ads. Yep, and yep. And there was so little attention to cultural diversity mm-hmm. in the broadest spectrum, um, or worse, homogenization of the people in the actual work, which kills me. You know, I yeah. just cannot stand seeing a somebody, a minority person, dressed to look like a white person. You know, so I just I, I and and also I found the um, the painfully overproduced ads that telegraphed only that they only that they cost a fortune and yeah. succeeded. Honestly, in further exploiting the victims of the topic, so in particular, there were a couple around sex trafficking and, and human trafficking. Um, so it was the ads were as exploitative again as the topic itself, just oh, wow. because they wanted to focus on winning for production. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah, yeah. Um, I just found that egregious at this point. It was so it was so disturbing to me. Now. Um, I was blown away by the student work. I think I told you this, Barrett, the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came at critical issues with 
you know, just inventive solutions. They're all about action. Um, and, and you can't fake that kind of emotional investment. The student work, you know, just showed a connection to the topic and a passion for, for shaping real change in our industry and in our world. And, and, and none of it felt self-serving in terms of just what I talk about all the time of just seeking awards. Instead, it, 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 all the work felt like they really wanted people to engage and connect through mm -hmm. community and um, even be accountable as consumers. So mm -hmm. there was a couple that are standing out to me from, from that I'm recalling from the student work. One was um, uh, called Pain Tones. Mm -hmm. First of its kind, Pantone color book. So okay. this team or this person chose colors from the last moments of some black lives that were taken by police brutality. Oh, so, no and after matching each of those Pantone colors to the Pantone matching system, mm -hmm. they renamed those colors as an immortal reminder of the oh, lives that gosh, were lost through hate. That is heavy. Oh my yeah, God, it's brilliant. heavy, but it's beautiful. It was beautiful. You yeah. should see it, it's on the website. Um, and then they changed the Pantone color of the year to transparent and showed it in outdoor and digital, you know, as a, as a, again, as a, as a call to action for the world to see beyond a person's skin color. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the other one I loved, because honestly, purpose, it doesn't have to be serious all the time. It can actually be fun, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a really clever approach um, to the COVID rule breakers, you know, at the beginning of, of um of lockdown, you know, there were those people who just could not deal with the social distancing, had to get out and get around. Yep. So again, this person or team developed what they called spoiler billboards. I thought this was just brilliant from Netflix, from Netflix shows. Um, yep. And they put them in places where these people who just couldn't stand to stay the hell home were going. Yeah. Um, but they warned people, if you go out, we're going to ruin your favorite shows. So they had like the endings <laughs> to all That's of the funny. best Netflix shows. There you go. And Oh my God, I just thought it was brilliant. And I thought yeah. it was funny. Um, I think that came from Miami ad school. I'm not sure. But yeah. I just I just thought it was um again relevant. You know, I love the context of it. I loved the um I I just I love the cheekiness of it too. I just yeah. thought it was great. Yeah. Anyway, so we those are the ones I responded to mostly. Yeah. That's very cool. We we uh, had a poet on a, a couple episodes ago, T.J. Yep. Jarrett. Yeah. And what she talked about was where she finds joy, when she where she thinks her work is best, is when she is the farthest removed from it, oh. and she is purely a vessel through which the work can flow. Mm -hmm. And I'm, what I'm getting a sense of is you're you're seeing some similarity there in that the best work is is the one where the person doing the work is the least represented. Uh, and, and they are speaking on behalf of somebody else. So I think there's a, a certain selflessness that comes with purpose-driven marketing and messaging that mm -hmm. if you're there and, and it's about you, you've done it kind of wrong. Yeah. 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 That's absolutely right. That, yeah. I, yeah. I completely agree with that. There you yeah. go. Well, so, so Jen, as, but before we wrap, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, not just what you do uh, at Allen and Garrettson, but maybe some other things that you might be working on that you'd like to share with our with our audience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little bit about Allen Garrettson. I don't know if, if everybody is familiar with us, but we are an independent agency here in Boston. We also have an office in Philadelphia. 
Um, you know, our, our, our mission is to build, help brands build and live their best selves and navigate the complexities of, you know, of this ever changing <laughs> consumer landscape. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it's important to me that we keep our clients eyes and, and hearts wide open, thinking towards, you know, importantly, you know, uh, the future versus the past. And we're holding ourselves equally accountable. I do want to say, um, go. with a lens on improving our own DEI efforts, um, we're guided by doing what's right by our people. We actually just did, I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, speaking of sort of cultural sort of activations, um, we just did a fun thing around voting. Um, while a whole bunch of agencies were giving um, employees a day off, we took the day on. Um, so running up to the election as well as the day of, we shared factual and important details about how and where to vote, what to bring, all the ways as a culture we were taking the day on as active yeah. participants of yeah. our democracy. Um, so it was a really nice thing to galvanize us all together as we are all remote and not actually able to be in the same room together. Right. Um, I, uh, but, and also because, you know, I will say because paying it forward is a mindset for me, I'm also, I'm also partnering with a friend. I mean, this is like, this is brand new, but on initiative, we're still defining. It's basically addresses a gap we are seeing in the market for advocacy and collaboration, especially in terms of creating a funnel for young and diverse talent um, that want to contribute to change. So we're, you know, our hope is to fill that gap and we're trying to pull together some minds here in Boston specifically, some women leaders and influencers to craft a mission um, to reevaluate and, and, and redefine the creative market. Um, it's a, it's a lofty goal, but, um, it's something that is definitely getting me out of bed every morning uh, on top of my day job. Well, yeah, and it, it comes right out of your DNA there, Jen Putnam is what I would say. Yes. It does. It does. Cause yeah, I mean, I honestly, I'm honestly, I'm taken aback when people say, I'm taken aback when people say I'm just avoiding all of this for my own sanity. Cause to yeah. that, I say, you know, you're really lucky and that's pure privilege. Yeah, um, right. I believe if you aren't paying attention, you aren't connecting with the issues. If you aren't yeah. connecting with the issues, you aren't empathizing or solving problems. If you aren't solving problems, you aren't helping it to move anybody forward. Yeah, so to the brands true. also, as you asked earlier, Phil, um, that say the same thing, like let's stay out of this or let's avoid the topic. I, I think if they do that, it will be at their own peril eventually. So um so anyway, yeah. you know, my, I don't know, Barry, I was saying this to you the other day, my legacy is not going to be one of, you know. It's not about awards. It's about. Rewards. That's yeah. right. Oh right. That's right. Everything Jen says sounds like it's, it's like a t-shirt or a mug slogan or something. It's not about awards. It's about rewards, Phil. It's true. I mean, go. that's, that's what I believe. Being the example, yep. live by your principles. That's my purpose. That's my brand. I'm sticking to it. There you go. Yeah. I love that. Barry, do you want to wrap us? Yeah, well, I, I, what I would say is, uh, you know, so we we always sort of begin the episode with what are you drinking, Jen? And we always end it by like, what are we stealing? So, by the way, this is a really good beer. I just good. Have to tell you I, can, oh, I can tell by how the conversation so is good. perked along. Excellent. So, Phil, here's what I'm stealing from what Jen has sort of said here, which I which was yeah. something I hadn't thought about, but I actually think is totally true. Like a lot of times when I'm judging um, ideas and trying to figure out which is the best idea. Um, you know, I'm desperately trying to put myself in the customer's shoes or sort of in the audience, the uh, ultimately the end, the end audience's sort of like shoes and trying to understand, mm -hmm. you know, is there a communication idea that I think is going to be powerful for them with purpose driven branding? There's, there's kind of a cheat 
And that is that often the ideas that are going to get the customers most excited and the clients most excited are also the ideas that get the team most excited and most mm-hmm. motivated. And sure. and especially if you have a purpose-driven brand where you actually feel like you're trying to sort of like help the company play a role in sort of like improving lives and sort of in sort of in improving society and 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 sort of remind everyone why that company exists in the first place that people get really passionate and motivated themselves, the folks creating this idea. And so when you look around the room and you see people willing to work harder and really passionate about an idea, uh, especially if it's a purpose-driven idea, that is a good tell, I think, yeah. uh, for that is the best idea. So I'm stealing that from Jen. I'm going to think about that a little bit. What are you yeah. stealing, Phil? Nice. Well, I, uh, I, it's also about it getting to the to the heart of the matter because there, there's disingenuousness to yeah. to the wrong purpose. It's not like Cheetos is going to sit there and stand by. We're for diversity. Eat, you know, uh, uh, powder coated <laughs> uh, puffs. But uh, right. but but I think it's it's also uh, sort of our obligation as creative leaders to draw that purpose out of our clients um, when they want to go for the for the easy sell. Um, but uh, for me, what I'm going to steal is a little bit more on the, on the leadership side of things. And, and it kind of comes, frankly, with a, with a mea culpa, which is, um, you know, Jen, I think, accurately you know, talked about her, her own privilege and, and just being aware of that and doing everything you can do to represent, to empathize, and to promote. And I can honestly say that I did not do enough. I have not done enough. There's always more you can do. But I think about some of the teams that I've had the privilege of leading, um, and I really strove for for diversity and, and inclusiveness. But it's also about opportunity, and it's also about um, you know giving the opportunities to those that may not have access to it. Um, so I think purpose driven leadership is is just acknowledging the position that one holds as a leader uh, to to promote uh, the inclusivity that they that they seek. You know, it, was, it used to be my position that it's not mine to give, but in reality, it kind of is. Oh, in so many ways, it is. You're right. And so that that's my obligation. It's a steal as much as much as it is a, a, an admission uh, that uh, I, I think we should all you know sort of take to heart and carry forward with us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well. So Jen Putnam, thank you so much. I'm glad. How many phone calls did it take me to convince you to come on this podcast? Was it nine? <laughs> this wasn't as bad as you thought it might be. It was good. My God, you started with Jason Cody. I'm like, my God, Cody's one of my favorite people in the world. Talking data. I was just like, dude, yeah. I, I'm going to talk purpose. Like anyway, no, but I'm delighted. That's good. People are very inspired right now. I know I am. So thank you, Jen, for joining us. I'm thank thrilled you, that you were able to, you, to kind of join. Thank you so, so much. So Phil, let's do the wrap here. Uh, uh, basically, Absolutely. like we like, like we like to remind all of our what bubble what bubbles up heads. I don't know. Do we have any what bubbles uh, we don't up have heads? A, we don't have we don't, a moniker for our audience. We, but we'll we don't have a moniker that. for our audience yet. Help us spread the word about what bubbles up. Please share this podcast, comment on this podcast, like this podcast, and tell all of your friends to subscribe to What Bubbles Up at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, and about seven other platforms. Um, or, of course, you can always find the latest episodes at whatbubblesup.com. Phil? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you to Jen Putnam, the Chief Creative Officer at Allen & Garrison, for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to this episode of What Bubbles Up. If you'd like to share some of your ideas or make a suggestion for future episodes, follow us on Twitter at WhatBubblesUp or send an email to WhatBubblesUp at gmail.com.